is Food on Point, a weekly podcast coming to you from Berlin that hits on the less circulated topics around food and the gastronomy industry. We sit down with leading thinkers and doers in the far reaches of politics, agriculture, tech, academia, hospitality, and even activism to ask the hard questions when it comes to the food that we grow, serve, and eat. Hi, you're listening to Food on Point, and I'm your host, Madeline McLean. This week, we caught up with owner and founder of The Guest House, Seth O'Donovan. The Guest House is rooted in Southwest Colorado and curates hospitality-forward experiences that connect people to agriculture, fine dining, and immersive lodging experiences, while also partnering with other communities that carry a depth of cultural heritage, arts, food, foraging, hunting, farming, and storytelling, all with a huge emphasis on land stewardship. The Guest House will be holding their next adventure in the remote area of Hesketh Island in Ketchemek Bay, Alaska, from mid-August to mid-October of this year, where a team of ruggedly refined hospitality professionals, who include co-collaborators such as Susie, a totally badass fisherwoman of Set the Net, and urban farmer, forager, and fermentation extraordinaire Evie of Evie's Brinery, and yours truly, will be hosting alternating groups of 12 guests over the seven weeks. I caught up with Seth while in the airport on her last day of a particularly intense sourcing trip there. We talk about sourcing in such a remote location, the particularities of creating a pop-up concept in remote Alaska, and the unique hospitality approach that makes the guest house concept so incredible. Hi, Seth. So great to catch you all the way up in the Anchorage, Alaska airport. So you touched ground or you touched down there um, April seventh or so or six. Yeah, I've been here for five days. Well, I flew into Anchorage and met up with, well, I met Evie for the first time actually. And then, you know, Susie. So met up with Evie and Susie and we stayed in Anchorage that night at Evie's house. And then the next day we drove down to Homer and uh, the drive down to Homer is about a four hour drive from Anchorage and just follows along all this amazing sort of coastline of the Kenai Peninsula. And also along the way, just stopped in a lot of Evie and Susie's favorite places, really. So things like? Yeah, well, Susie loves getting slices of pizza from this one place in Seward. It's like she always stops and gets the pizza, you know. <laughs> um, it was great because I'm writing the concierge book for folks who want to travel from Anchorage to Homer rather than flying direct to Homer. And so it was really lovely just to kind of take the journey slow. It's a four hour drive, but we took about seven hours to get there. So wow, it's just amazing. I mean, there's so much about the land that actually feels very familiar to like a deep Southwest rural Colorado mountain feel, Mm -hmm. Uh, except there's also all this water everywhere. And so what I was telling Evie when she was, asking me like how I was experiencing the trip was that it feels like all of this discovery and also like this sense of familiarity and home. Mm -hmm. And that just has to maybe be the best combination of feelings, you know? So it was good. And then we were in Homer for one day. We did this amazing day in Homer. I think we had 10 
meetings <laughs> with artists, potters, farmers, uh, folks doing food hub organizing. I mean, we just like met back to back starting at 7.30 a.m. until 5 p.m. with like this amazing, like culturally rich sort of uh, crowd and Homer of everything having to do with land, food, body, and art. Mm-hmm. And um, that was really great. And then we left and went from Homer, took the water taxi over to the island that we'll actually have the site on. Right. And that was amazing. We met Allison, who owns the property that we're leasing the site from, and took the boat over and then spent the evening there and the next day. We were supposed to spend two days on the island, but a huge storm was coming in that was like, 50 mile an hour winds and eight oh foot waves like so and it was gonna last for like more than a day so wow. if we would have gotten stuck on the island they couldn't have gotten a boat to us it would have been like fine on the island but like sure. no boats could go in or out and then we would have like been there still like would have totally missed flights out and everything totally. you know did that make you also think about maybe troubleshooting when you have guests out there and things like that come in? Um, a little, I mean, a little bit. It's, I don't know. I feel there's something that I feel so familiar, like comfortable with in a way around like logistics and weather. Um, maybe in Southwestern Colorado, it's similar. It's like blizzards come every week, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. storms. Yeah. It's like, living part of like living in these wild places is not being in control actually of the weather and how that affects us and our plans and all those things. So there is some talking for sure that we did about how to help guests even kind of plan their travel to Homer. Um, and we just recommend it anyways. I mean, we, the town of Homer and like the culture and people there and is so rich and lovely. And the travel from Anchorage down there is like, amazing and I said regardless of like weather fluidity Mm -hmm. I'd recommend anyone to kind of like take a couple days here before they come over to the island and just like settle in and experience the area but yes also of course if you're there a couple days early and we know a storm's coming we can get people over there more quickly than move up a schedule or whatever that looks like you know right and I think that's great I mean that is just what hospitality in the wild is about. And that's what we're sort of like trained, trained and like training ourselves to dive into and get really good with, you know? Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's incredible. Like also showing your methods of hospitality around like a little bit of like high stress situations too. And I feel like being faced with maybe guests kind of, I mean, no matter how Zen you try to get when you go out of your regular schedule and go out in the wilderness, you can get really knocked back in when things like travel plans are threatened. Right. So maybe being able to navigate that a little bit. Right. Yeah. But you have that experience also being like in these remote, you know, down in Dunton and stuff too. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And I think, you know, we all can plan our travel and trips to places that are more predictable and that we're a little more in control of and, then we lose some of the other reasons we were going there, you know, so mm-hmm. it's all part of it, you know, like you can't, you don't get to dive into an experience and sort of like pick which parts you do and which parts you don't. It's like, you have to take things as the whole. Yeah. And that's actually like really what we're 
trying to, one of the questions we're sort of trying to dive into with this entire project. So I yeah. kind of like it. <laughs> yeah. Do you believe people are going to be like totally on board with that? Customers more like our guests? Yeah, I yeah. think so. I mean, I think we're doing a pretty great job in conversations with guests and just like with the folks coming and being interested in the site and um, meeting people who are also like hungry and down for the adventure, you know, and um, it's okay too. If things come up that surprised us so much that we're not okay with it, like that's part of what we do for each other as people is just support each other through things, you know, and, and care for each other deeply and, you know, find ways for us all to have like nourishment and comfort, even in times that might be hard. Yeah. And I feel like if, if the hospitality practice and industry was just about when everything's perfect, then, um, it doesn't have a lot to do actually with a human experience. Right. And I'm, I'm really interested in hospitality because maybe it meets us in our deepest human experiences. Right. Or being in a place where, we can bring that more to the public because I feel like usually hospitality, especially within fine dining spheres, it is really showing like more that like really beautiful side of life. And like, let's just indulge in like this beauty and like perfection. And yeah. Right. So this is sort of flipping it on its head a little bit. Yeah. And it's funny because this became what the exact phrase that you just said became this theme and all these conversations we were having with producers and, um, farmers and artists when they were talking when we were talking about the site and about them being involved in the site and um, not just sourcing to it but also spending time over there with us there's this whole crowd of people that are just going to end up also on the island with us um, to play you know and to really like build a village of like craft hospitality farmer workers and artists anyhow in the conversations with them this phrase of turning on its head kept coming up because we were talking about this idea that a lot of hospitality contexts are about kind of putting this front of house performance out there. Mm -hmm. So a guest comes and they receive this sort of like sterile performance mm. and uh, that's void of like all of the process and lots of the humanness and lots of the question and discovery that happens in the back of house and like behind the closed doors, you know? Right. Yeah. And we're like doing the total opposite. We're actually setting up a space that is completely exposed all about like the crafters, the farmers, the workers, um, and us folks as hospitality, um, people who've chosen hospitality as a vocation. And we're like putting that out as the forefront. And then we're inviting 12 guests a week into that with us, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And um, so... I had more than one person say back to me after we would be talking about this. They're like, you're kind of like turning the restaurant on its head or you're kind of like flipping the way we do hospitality industry upside down, you know? Yeah. It's like thrilling. Yeah. Let's like flip it over. Yeah, <laughs> totally. What are other like ways that your the concept of guest house is going to be doing that up in Alaska? Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, what are some tangible ways that that is going to be, yeah, given to the guest experience? Well, I mean, something else we were having a conversation today with uh, Carlisle, sourdough master at Fire Island. Um, and 
we're talking with them about some uh, exciting pieces and presence there and uh, some sourdough workshops and entire fermentation week and all of these things. And with him, it came up just as it did with lots of folks, but the conversation was striking for me with him about this idea of actually like coming prepared as artisans and chefs and hospitality folks to be in an experimental place of discovery and questions around things we don't know the answer to, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's the other thing is like guests so often see sort of perfected product or something we've been, you know, testing for a long time. And the reality is that some of the most exciting parts and like actually parts needed in our like world around food and culture and art is the questions, like the things we don't yet know the answers to, but we know we need something, you know? Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I'm like, don't just like bring the perfect sourdough process. Like if you've been waiting to like experiment with a certain sourdough process over an open fire uh, pit, then like bring that ready to do. And I will build you an open fire pit, you know? Yes. <laughs> so. Yes. I'm like, because we'll all be there all, you know, lots of folks who have experience in the culinary and, um, hospitality world. And like, we're all down for the experiment, you Mm -hmm. know, and that's what we want to do is for the place, not to be a place that just churns out again, like product and perfection, but for it to be a place that maybe we discover some new things about how we want to cook and how we want to bake and how we want to host and how we want to care for people and how we want to create. And, um, I, I love that, you know, I'm kind of hungry for it and I'm hungry for inviting guests into our more, more vulnerable spaces in a, in hospitality industry world. That's so much about, um, the rock star performance. Right. You know, but does that scare you a little bit? Like for me also knowing that I'm going to be up there also providing something for, for guests who pay and come all the way out there. Does it like scare you a little bit to have it be so, um, kind of experimental and like vulnerable? Do you feel like at the same time you're going to need to also balance still this like sheen of having a bit of like an expertise to to give to people so that their experience is still at the end of the day like a little bit polished or are you like totally fine with anything? Here, Here's the thing is this is what I know about the crew of people who are coming up there not just from our core guest house crew creating crew, but also now all of these, um, emerging producers and artists who are going to join us for different times on the Island is that we're a group of people at a level in our own practice and work that we cannot provide anything but a beautiful experience. And so even the ways that it gets experimental or new or questioning are not about like compromising a guest experience. In fact, to me, it just enhances it, you know, sure, sure. it's like, uh, you know, you and I might sort of dive into some new questions about like wine pairing or something. But the reality is that table and the cuisine that night and the wine that's paired with it and, um, how that sort of ends up feeling to us at this beautiful table of the guests gathered there that evening is just ex- like, I can already see it in my head. It's just going to be exquisite, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, if this was about like a space where people were like brand new or something, <laughs> anything, of course, that would be different. But 
we're just a group of people who are already so committed to our crafts, um, so committed to beauty and so committed to really like a deep love and care of our guests that that's not the side I'm concerned about, you know? Right. So no, on that side, there's no fear. Um, I don't know. It just feels exciting to me. Oh, so exciting. So with that said, then you have so much trust in also like yourself and your team and your, yeah, the community that you're building there. So when you were going out and really doing these, this trip to kind of, um, you know, or quote unquote, like a sourcing trip and you were working with and seeing and visiting these people's like atelier or their farms or their craft place. Um, do you, are you just feeling even more trusting of just this amazing team of people you're kind of bringing together? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it was awesome. I mean, in some ways I feel more trusting of all of us because the folks that we met with and spent time with, um, on the trip and down in Homer and in Anchorage are also just like amazing, like craft and hospitality people, you know? So it was exciting cause it just felt like the village was kind of growing around it. Um, but then also I just, you know, I, Evie and Susie and I haven't left each other's sides for like five days. So I had a ton of time with them and like maneuvering travel like I was talking on the way to the airport with them I'm like guys we just hammered out an enormous travel schedule like one that definitely pushes people's bodies and makes us grumpy and like tired and like you know it's like meeting a ton of new people like nothing's predictable and all of these things and I was like most you find out very quickly about people in those situations you know like it's exposed um and the time with them was just lovely. Like I, it kind of struck me Wednesday and I said, my cries, like, I love traveling with you all, you know, like, so there, there's this other piece to me that for me, the trip and the time with them, um, which is kind of like nuts. Like most people don't branch out on projects like this with people that they haven't like spent a ton of time with or that's true places they don't know very well. I was like <laughs> seeing all of this for the first time, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, um, <laughs> At every single turn, through every single day, through every single new person we met, a new place we ended up, I only felt more excited, more confident, more inspired to do this work. And I have to also just trust that gut instinct of mine, you know. Um, I built more confidence in, like, Susie and Evie, who are these amazing, like, food and hospitality professionals in their own right. And... Um, we talked about you, you know, even though you weren't there, it was just like Madeline, like you were like with us. We definitely felt you with us, you know, and things would come up and I'd be like, I have to tell Madeline about this. Or yeah. we saw a certain kind of wine glass and I said, Madeline would hate that wine glass. I just knew that, <laughs> <I love it. laughs> you know, I was like, we're okay. never getting those, you know, like, <laughs> and I just felt like, man, we are an amazing team, you know? Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. So also with being there and feeling so much, these like rushes of energy and beauty with um, also all these incredible artisans and purveyors, what were some, are there some sections that, that made themselves known as roadblocks that you were like, okay, we're going to really need to put our heads together with for this one, you know, not that necessarily it's negative, but that you definitely as like 
somebody like an entrepreneur and this remote location and kind of all these things stacked together that you found yourself being like, uh, this is something we're going to need to chew on or. Yeah, there are things that they all kind of just end up in the logistical realm, you know, like (laughs) we've to construct several plate plate sets and China sets. We did make some decisions about bringing some of the guest house China from the lower 48 up to Alaska rather than purchasing it all new up there. You know, like there were things like that. We were just kind of like feeling out. And so now there's like a shipping barge situation. We have to ship things on a barge that has to get like (laughs) trucked to Seattle and then like boated up, you know, and then like picked. It's like, to me, that's actually, that's just, I just know I've signed up for that. You know, I'm like, you don't, produce fine dining and fine hospitality in the complete wild um without some logistical questions which is why no one does it right <laughs> you know? right Everyone's like don't want to deal with that <laughs> yeah but then how do you feel like how do you feel about that you're like actually I can just deal with it because it's worth it it's great yeah, yeah like let's just yeah. do it yeah totally and I don't know if um it's like my I'm not sure like where that comes from, but to me, just everything is worth the beauty, you know, Mm -hmm. and we could do it in an easier place and we could do it in an easier way. We could do it with cheaper plate sets. We could, of course, there's like, but then what are we pushing ourselves into? What new question, you know, what new path, what, what new way of learning? Um, And now, and I, I even had some moments with Susie and Evie where they would bring, they would bring up like a logistical question about sort of like the wild and fine hospitality and dining in the wild. And because I've been practicing for a couple of years with our site in Colorado and Mm. on the front range, I was like, Oh, this is, this is how you do that. You know, like this is the maneuver. And that was really fun to be like, Oh, I am learning. You know, it's not just like new every time. Like we're actually building skill sets here about how to do this really well. You know, do you have a a good tangible example of one of those things where you could meet it with your expertise or your tools? Um, I'm trying, man, I'm trying to think about what came up. Lots of the questions were just around like guest care, like setting up wood burning stoves for people, you know, or, um, how we like deliver beverages if someone is like on an uneven service sort of rocky beach, you know, like just (laughs) silly things that like we sit around and like obsess about so that there's an amazing experience for a guest and like no one would really think about until you were in the moment. I love Um, it. Cause they got to have happy hour on those rocks, you know? That's right. You have to have happy hour on the rocky beach. You do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so I was just like thinking through what our like, wine vessels look like and you know like all of those things and yes um I just had some we've just had a tiny bit of practice over the last two years that's given me a little bit of information you know and um it's awesome to see that we're actually like building that you know and that that becomes ingrained and you don't realize you've learned things until you have to use them again you know so true um so, no, I love it because I feel like we're building an entire other, like, skill set and practice for ourselves. And and it's fun, you know, like, how many glasses of wine do we run to a table in a totally polished dining room every single night and then month and then year of our careers and years and years of our careers, you know? <laughs> and 
how exciting to have to figure out a whole other muscle memory around that. You know, now we're doing it to a rocky beach for happy hour. Wow. <laughs> Great. You know, That's awesome. I love this. Can you speak to actually speaking of that? Can you give a, a, another couple examples of like specific guest experience things like even down to how I saw that on your trip, you were sourcing some really beautiful like textiles and ceramics. Can you speak to kind of another guest experience thing that they would be met with or like with art or? Yeah. Well, one of my favorite sort of themes that emerged through the trip that I already had in mind is a piece of the space, but really became solidified is this idea of living in the gallery. So you know, everything is being so specifically sourced and crafted. It's like down to the tea towels we use in the kitchen. We're talking about an original print that this one woman who's an amazing textiles and screen printing fabric artist does constructing an original print. And then we're going to produce the site's tea towels from that. And, um, but then I was like, well, this is such an amazing art. Like it's not, it doesn't exactly feel right to me to just have it as something like that we use and use and use and maybe guests enjoy 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 and then we're like okay bye you know yeah (laughs) what if I love that tea towel like what you know what I mean like what if I've used that one evening to help with oysters or something like that you know yeah Yeah. and so we're also going to order stock and have different kinds of allocations set aside from each of the artists that we work with that fill the space of the same uh, product and, and art pieces that we have there so that folks can also purchase that artist's work and take it home with them. Beautiful. So, so to us, it's about kind of then creating like infinite extensions of the site of what we create on Hesketh Island, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not just like only there is only that towel and that's, and then that's it. But it's like also take a piece of this back to your kitchen and like all the practice and all the discovery and all the joy and beauty that you had here and and like extend the gallery out, you know. Yes. And um, that's going to be down to like all the mugs and uh, certain sets of plateware and dishes we have in the space, actual focal art and visual art pieces, Mm -hmm. um, sculpture. Uh, music, you know, all of these things. And so there will be a real sense of kind of like living in, like creating this living gallery, you know, which mm-hmm. I love because then also everything we're using and everything we have in practice there has also been crafted by someone who brings just as much intention to their work as we do ours for the space. Yeah, I, that's the kind of attention I want us to be cultivating in the world. Yeah, right. Right. And also cultivating kind of that stronger bond for really hyper-localized, hyper-local communities, you know, and the land. and Right. Know. So that's one. That's just one example. <laughs> that's just the tea towels, Madeline. This is so incredible. Like an absolute dream. So, I mean, I also just want to hear like little nitty gritty things. I mean, did you find a dairy provider, right? Did, mm-hmm. you, did it say goat? Goat. It was like goats. Yeah. Dairy in, on Alaskan land is challenging yeah. because the land isn't really crap. Like it doesn't support animal, an animal like a cow, you know? And what I'm not going to do is like order in like grocery store milk. So 
Right. I was just like, man, what is Alaska Dairy? You know, I was like, you can ask Susie and Evie. They sort of watch me like have this mini meltdown about it. You know, I'm like, it's like so essential to our work and our craft and our kitchen is like dairy, you know? It um, is. It is. And so we, I, we just started searching it out. I'd like made it a thing. I'm like, we're going to find it. And there's this one woman. She's an amazing goat farmer, um, owns Cackleberry Farms and Homer. And uh, we went and met her goats and spent some time with her in the space. And uh, she's going to do our dairy, our goat dairy. And so immediately all the things started just like pouring out of my head, you know, the butters and the cheeses and the custards and like, you know, pushing forward some other like constructions. I need to pull out like the Nordic goat dairy source. You know, it's just like the whole thing. Yes. That's really exciting, but that's an example to me of something that's like, again, the, the, one of the beauties of the constraint of this model of hospitality is that because we didn't choose an easier route of just like pulling in a bunch of, I don't know where it would come from, like dairy from Anchorage or something, you know, mm-hmm. or flying it up from the lower 48, I ended up having to be on this journey where I discovered this amazing farm and this amazing woman. And, uh, we had this amazing, just like visit and interaction with her. And, um, now we're going to be able to like push into a cuisine, which is very much just about that area, you know? Yeah. And so I love that. It's like the constraint breeds the creativity. Absolutely. Were there a couple other like land constraints that are making themselves known through whatever producers are creating, mainly things like produce? And because Susie made it sound like also they're like really taking advantage of what they can do there. And there's an incredible array of things like produce and stuff. But it was there other constraints that make it so site specific there in terms of the output of um yeah, fruits, vegetables, other things. Yeah, I, I mean, there weren't any. I feel like the dairy was kind of the hardest one for me. There weren't any other really big ones. There are ones for sure that are specific to that area, but in just like the most exciting ways. And, yeah, the producers there and the farmers are pushing so hard. I mean, what they're doing with like high tunnels and really taking advantage of their seasons and Um, then also we plant, you know, a big section of our cuisine and sourcing. We want to come from wild foraging that uh, guests are invited to participate with us in, you know, and so there's that whole piece. I mean, to me, it's just this abundance of discovery and, um, I'm really, I'm just really excited about that. I'm excited about living into it, you know, and Mm -hmm. I, I don't get to work with seafood. It's like, because I've constrained myself to Colorado land with our sites there, Right. That's not what we do. You know, we have Colorado trout. and That's about it. And so it's really exciting there, you know, to be talking about the whole, the seafood angle, um, salmon and halibut yeah, and uh, salmon that'll come from Susie's boats. You know, it's just like, uh, feels just very integrated to ourselves as a whole. And I think that's the other thing that I'm just like reaching for with this hospitality project and model of hospitality that we're all kind of co-creating together is how do we just get more whole you know and less fragmented and less like spread out and really beautifully said yeah were you able to figure out how um you're gonna get a whole moose 
together there. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we did figure out the moose. <laughs> yes, this is the dream, huh? Yeah, we're so yeah. Moose. moose moose turns out it's gonna not be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, with stuff like that, like when I think of Colorado, there's like tons of elk, right? Like I grew up literally with like elk all in my backyard, and people are like, "Oh my yeah. god, elk!" And you're like, "Oh my god, they're like vermin, basically." No. Right? Yeah. But um, and but then there's only certain sections of the land that or in the area that you can actually hunt elk right. and deer. So is it similar there with like, it's the same thing with moose there. I mean, when you see a moose in Colorado, it's like a big deal. And everyone like pulls over to the side of the road and Estes park. And there's almost like a wreck, right. you know, it's like a whole thing. <laughs> yeah. And up there, like, I just kept thinking, I'm like moose up here, like seeing like white tailed deer, or, like elk, yeah. you know, they're just like, like that's the animal up there. <laughs> you know, it was really amazing. And, like the first one I'm like oh my oh there's an there's a moose you know yeah. and then I was, by the end of the trip I'm like there's another moose in the road can we please like let's like, just whatever. keep going you know yeah. like yeah um <laughs> <laughs> not really they're such amazing so, majestic animals yeah. like of, of course. course like of course. I love seeing the moose everywhere you know yeah. but all of a yeah. sudden I was like you are not in Colorado <laughs> and this is amazing and it's amazing to have to have shift what's normal for you based on the place you're in, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's so much I'm learning. I mean, I think that's, what's exciting to me too, is like the whole, I mean, Evie and Susie are probably so tired. Like I just was like a kid in the back of the car, you know, like constant questions, you know, yeah. I'm like, why, why, how did this happen? What is this? You know, it's yeah. like, um, my own learning and discovery is just like super pushed and, that's great. And then to turn around and like immediately apply it, you know? Yeah. And that's also why I think the partnership with all of the folks whose lives and generations are invested there is so important because for, this is the practice of their land, you know? And um, Susie and Evie are just incredibly invested in like their land and the bo- way their bodies connect to it and how they're raising their families on it and right. what their like craft and trade looks like there. And you know, it's an amazing thing and people that who are your colleagues and like building these friendships to be able to just like stand and witness of the genius of their own place. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, I just I just had lots of moments in conversation and work with Susie and Evie this week where I felt through their like specific expression that I was being reminded of how incredible humanity is, you know? And that's also what I'm so excited about discovering. And it's like what we all shine to each other when we're shining, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I just think that entire spirit with all of our guests and all of ourselves as craftsmen on, on the property is going to be so incredible. episode is co-produced by Madeline McLean and Stephanie Rotenhofer and was recorded in Berlin's Noise Fabric, a multi-purpose and co-working space dedicated to the audio and creative industries. For more information, visit them at noisefabric.com and let them know that we sent you. Do you want to sponsor or partner with Food on Point? We'd love to collaborate with you. Write us an email at hello at foodonpointpodcast.com. We love hearing from you, and let's keep the conversation going on these vast topics. You can find us on Instagram at Food on Point, 
or on Twitter at foodonpoint1.